everyone, we are back with another episode of Sporting Roots. Today we are joined by Natalie Stewart, who some of you might know slightly better as Natalie Milne. Natalie was a professional triathlete from 2012 to 2017. She represented Great Britain in the ITU World Triathlon Series, ITU World Cup Series and the ETU European Cup Series. Represented Scotland at the 2014 Glasgow Commonwealth Games as part of the relay team. She represented Britain at the World University Championships, won British University Championships Sprint Triathlon for two consecutive years. Natalie is also a Level 3 triathlon coach with a Master's in Sports Coaching from the University of Stirling, and she now runs her very own coaching company, Stuart Triathlon Coaching. Along with all of that, Natalie works as the head coach for Pentland Triathlete Juniors in Edinburgh. Stay tuned with this episode to hear Natalie talk about her journey into triathlon, her experience with setbacks, how she came to retire and how she's found life in lockdown trying to build a family and continue her coaching career. So I thought we'd start with three quick questions to kind of set the tone for what we're going to discuss. So first of all, what do you think is the most important thing that sport has taught you? No matter what level you're racing at, no matter if you're an age grouper, you're racing elite, you're whether you're junior trying to qualify for super series or whether you're just, you know, anybody, just the first triathlon, it's all about just sports, just about having fun. And that's what I've learned over the years of my years in sport. Where is your favourite place to train or race out of all the places that you've had an experience in? My favourite place to race is Scotland. Mainly Lockhore Meadows. Some something just takes me back to Lockhore Meadows. I don't know what it is. It's just it's just the open water. It's just I don't know. It's just mm, something about Lockhore Meadows. And then favorite place to train? Scotland again. I mean you've got everything you want. You've got flat if you want it, you've got hills if you want it. You've got open water swimming relatively easy. You've got the sea if you want to do something in the sea and running. You can go trail running, you can go road running, anything. Just Scotland's just the place to be. It is the place to be. Okay, and then what is the highlight of your sporting career? So whether that's racing, training, coaching, anything, what's been your favourite moment? I'm going to say coaching, less less of what I've done, but more about seeing the kids that you coach develop as individuals, um, both within sport and outside sport. So you you watch them grow up through the sport and then you also watch them grow up as an individual. I think that's the biggest highlight is just seeing them thrive through sport. I thought we'd go in chronological order in terms of kind of when you got into sport and then work our way through. Okay. So have you always been sporty? Did you do loads of sport as a child? Yeah, so I started off as a swimmer. From when I can remember, I've been swimming. Got quite competitive with swimming. And then I was running running with at high school, um, was part of Petrivi Athletics Club for a while. And then I was doing cross country for the school. So I was going to all the cross country races and that sort of stuff. And then one of our teachers at school who was doing our training for Ironman at the time, who was from East Fife Tri Club, because I grew up in Kinross, there was no, there was no at that time, no tri club near Kinross. So East Fife Tri Club was where we ended up going to train, but he managed to convince me to 
eventually pinning me down to race at the Scottish Schools Triathlon because it would always clash with the Scottish Nationals of some form, whether it was Scottish National A groups or just uh, Scottish Nationals. So I managed managed to it managed not to clash that year. So we, I, I raced at the Scottish Schools. I was the only one in my age group because at that point there was not very many girls racing within juniors. And then it kind of went from there and then went and trained with East Fife uh, Tri Club on a Monday along with my little brother and my mum. And then it kind of went from there. And then at that point, I, was, I wasn't very strong for running. So I was quite injured quite a lot. I suffered really badly with shin splints on and off. So ended up coming off the squads, national squads, and focusing on mountain biking. Um, particularly cross-country mountain biking, racing cross-country, um, just because I still wanted to race, I still wanted to be competitive, but I wasn't fit, I wasn't strong enough to do triathlon. So I decided that I was really enjoying riding my mountain bike, so why not enter all these races? So I did that for a couple of years, got stronger and fitter through mountain biking, but also through the mountain biking, my bike skills got a lot better. And as most of us realised that top level elites you need to be able to ride a bike quite technically well otherwise you're just going to be spat out the back all the time so that actually was really beneficial later on in my career to be able to have done that and been, know how to handle a bike and to the point this day I'd actually rather go and ride my mountain bike than my road bike because it's just more fun and then I got back onto squads 2011 and then it kind of just went from there uh, 2012 I had a full year's training 2013 I did my first world series in Kitzbühel um, and then the Commonwealth Games, and then still did a few World Cups, European Cups, World Series races after that. 2016, went to World University Championships in Switzerland. That was great. And then at this point, I'd moved to Midlothian in 2016, so training became a little bit harder um, just to access facilities and stuff. It makes you realise how lucky you are when you're based out of Stirling, how easy it is just to train. So 2017, I was out for a ride one April, April's day, just on my mountain bike, going out towards Pentlands. And next thing I know, I woke up in the middle of the road, a busy road. Luckily, there was no cars at the time. It was quite early in the morning. And tried to get up and realised that my shoulder was quite sore. Got sent to hospital. I just thought it was maybe a broken collarbone, but it was actually a dislocated or a separated AT joint. And it was a grade three, so it meant that the ligaments that hold your collarbone down they'd snapped and the one that holds it in the joint was snapped as well so that took a bit of time to recover got back to swimming relatively quickly it was still quite a little bit sore but it wasn't so sore that I couldn't train I'm quite good if it's sore I won't train or if it starts to get sore I know when to stop so, so I got back swimming and I managed to get some racing done in 2017 and I was racing for a French team across in France and it was the last race of the series and uh, the team was lying third and we were racing for the, th the third position overall and it was when I started swimming around the swim course the wrong way because I was basically taking painkillers to race not good I don't recommend it I'd gone I swam the wrong way I started so it was the clock the it was anti-clockwise around the course and I started swimming clockwise and had to cut over and I just realized that actually I'm still sore when I'm racing. It's not good. I'm not making myself any better. It's because obviously when I first came off, got went into hospital, um, the orthopedic surgeon said, it's up to you. You can have be operated on or you can leave it. 
it's up to you. And I was like, well, somebody else needs to make a decision for me. I don't know what to do. So I decided to just leave it and then so when I was still racing on it and I couldn't sit on the hoods without being in pain um, racing. Like training was fine because you're not putting as much stress on your body as you are racing. But when you're racing flat out on a road and the Scottish roads especially, they're just so bumpy and everything was just going through that joint. I was like, it's just not worth it. So I ended up getting operated on November of 2017 and then I just decided that to call it quits with professional sport and just focus on what I want to do, focus on my business, get my business, business up and running. And then starting a family. Yeah. We've had some high highs and some, some low pretty, low. pretty low lows. So let's backtrack slightly to your when you got into triathlon at Scottish yep. Schools. Yep. Crazy that that was your first race. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. When you did Scottish Schools, were you just hooked? Was that it? And was it immediately competitive? Or did you just kind of start triathlon for fun to begin with? Um, probably just for fun because at that point in Scottish schools it was down in Gal Shield so it was still off road so it was on a mountain bike and at that time I was quite enjoying riding my GP Halford mountain bike that weighed a ton um, so then East Fife have their own race in Cooper so I did that because obviously but the way they changed it now is but the way they did it back then was that the fastest heat went off last so I was literally last finish over the line because I had I did this bike twenty k bike course and this really heavy mountain bike. Hated life the whole way through the bike course. I was like, why am I last? Why am I doing this? This is misery. I hate this. Blah 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 blah. And then at the point wasn't was I was a runner, but I wasn't a great runner. So I just kind of trundled round and came in last. And I was like, why am I doing this? And then um, Fiona Lillian spoke to me at the end and said, why don't you try it for squads? So that's how I got into squads is that I tried out for squads and yeah, it kind of went from there. Going into mountain biking a bit more after that, yep. what made you then decide, okay, I'm really enjoying mountain biking, but actually let's have a go back into triathlon. Because my little brother was racing at the same time and I realised my heart was actually in triathlon because I was actually racing quite well on the road as well as in road racing on the bike. And I decided actually triathlon's a little bit more fun it's got three disciplines you're not it's not like swimming where you're plowing up and down the up and down following a black line all the time you know the road you just you just got right riding out in the road all the time whereas triathlon you've got three different disciplines to mix it up yeah and it's kind of always a bit different so were you at sterling uni when you decided to come back and try or was that before uh, uni? so 2008 i was training through in sterling but i wasn't on squads as such so my little brother was on squads, but I was going through with him and the, how it happened. So that's how that happened. At the time, I was like, I don't really know if I want to go to uni. When I was, he was deci- I was deciding, I was like, I don't even know what I want to do, let alone whether I want to go to university or not. After school, I had a gap year to try and decide what I want to do. I was just going to go to college and do some kind of sports coaching course, but then actually convinced to go to Stirling University. So I went to Stirling University hated first year, hated second year, it was just, it was just so broad, and I was just like, I don't want to learn about the history of sport, I just, I just want to get out there and do stuff, and then third year, it got more specific, and then that's when I realised, actually, I'm quite enjoying my time at uni, I'm quite enjoying studying, and then fourth year, I was like, I'm quite enjoying university, how can I take this further within sport, and Stirling University offer uh, a master's in sports coaching, so I went down that road, and I decided that it was, would be too much to try and train full-time and study full-time so I went part-time and then that let me train for the 
uh, Glasgow games at the same time as studying. And then, so at what point did you actually realise like elite racing, okay, this is something I can do, this is something I want to do, this is something I'm interested in? Probably back 2012 when I was doing a few Continental Cups and British Super Series, back when the British Super Series wasn't what it is today. I realised actually this is, I'm quite enjoying being competitive and I enjoy trying to get better, um, especially over the running. Just enjoying training, enjoying triathlon, enjoying the rewards it brought from training and racing. So did you change your training in order to qualify for higher level races or did you just keep doing the same thing, go to qualifying races? I just did what the coach told me to do. Um, what do I don't, can't, honestly can't remember. Um, so I'd have moments where, and I like to reflect this in my own coaching, is that we all have off days and there's nothing wrong with having off day in training. And I really struggle. I struggle with mental health. I was like, look, I just, I'm not feeling this. And I want to go and do something. I, I want to train, but I just don't want to go and do a hard session. And so what Chris was really good was that actually, let's just go and do something completely different. Take your mind off whatever's on your mind. I was after commie games, just when I was struggling with the, you know, the big low after major games. I was like, what do I do now? I've achieved what I wanted to achieve in sport. What do I do now? And I was just really struggling to train. So I'd go off and do different things. And that's, I guess, why it's handy having mountain bike skills because I know that if I want to go do something different, if, I'm not fan- if I didn't fancy a road ride, two hours on, the, on mountain bike is still as hard as two hours on a road bike, especially yeah. if you, you pick the right route. And it just lets you mix things up a bit more, have a bit more variety. Oh, totally. It just you, you see different things when you're doing different things. And that's something I like to stress across to my own athletes is that actually... Yeah, go and do an hour's paddle boarding. That's fine with me, but it's not every week you're going to do it. And if you need to take a break, take a break. There's nothing, you're not being weak by saying, look, I'm just not feeling it today. Um, and if it's every day you're saying I'm not feeling it, then there's something funda- there's something wrong. Um, and yeah, just, I think since having been an athlete now, coach mental health and looking after your athletes, making sure your athlete's okay, and well is better than what they're churning out training numbers wise making sure the whole athlete's all right that they're yes. yeah you started racing etu itu series did you start to feel more pressure then did your attitude towards training change did you find that stressful or were you just enjoying it all how it got into world series is that we've seen that there was this race in kitzbühel and chris went we should squint, uh, we should enter that so i entered it I asked to be considered for entry and it came back with an email saying you've been considered for entry and then Chris was like I've been thinking about this race I don't think we should enter it I was like well I've got an entry for it so that's when that's the best apart from Glasgow that's the only other race I've trained the best for it was just being so specific for that course so it's um for those that hadn't seen it Kitzbühel it was a um, 750 swim in the lake and then it was an uphill bike course and then uphill run or down it was down and then up and it was at, it was at altitude at the top so I did altitude training sessions I trained on the turbo with the front wheel up at an angle to try and replicate riding uphill and I went did using Demiat I'd swim in the pool and I'd ride up to the top car park at Demiat using not the road not the Kirk road not the one with a really bad corner in it but the other one that you come up from the back of the uni and go up that way and then we'd leave my bike in the bush and we'd run to the top of the mat. You'd leave your bike in a bush? Yeah. 
oh my goodness and then just run to the top of my yeah. after cycling up that hill uh-huh and then just jog down and cycle home well that is good uphill training that's for sure i loved it just being so specific for a week it was just and then for glasgow we did exactly the same because i knew my my aim and goal was the really was that i just trained for that specific distance and trained for that specific course we went out to glasgow i rode up the hill to see what it was like and did try and replicated training based on what that course was glasgow how how did that come about how did that come about i was racing at world series world cup european cups um and then for scotland team we had time trials so we raced at sterling a girl that had been selected to um consideration for qualification we all raced a time trial in sterling and um that's how that came about and did you enjoy the experience of glasgow yeah uh yes but the hard thing was that i was still racing later that year so it wasn't like i just did glasgow and then that was my season over i still had races to go so i really struggled after that like i was like well i've done glasgow now and then it's like well I've still got races to go and like you're in the athlete's village and it's just not you've not got the same access to training as such so I just ended up coming home uh, to train even though the games were still on I'd end up coming out of the village because I was like well I've got more access to stuff at home and I get quite homesick I've never been good at going away it was just afterwards it was really hard because you were still surrounded by people that were still trying to get themselves ready to race yeah, like the closing ceremony, that was amazing. Um, and yeah, racing in front of a home crowd was just immense. On home soil, no, you you knowing that you've trained 100% for this race and you know the course inside out was just, oh, yeah. You've had your fair share of injuries. You mentioned that you'd struggled with shin splints when you were younger. I have memories of you hobbling about in a moon boot oh, yeah. for a while. And then you obviously had your, your shoulder separation. Mm-hmm. How did you deal with all that? Are you a person that kind of doesn't really struggle with, with setbacks? You just kind of get up and go again? Or were they like quite big hurdles for you to try and overcome? Um, shin splits was quite a difficult one because I was getting better and then I get injured again. And I was getting better and getting injured again. So I felt like I was taking one step forward, two steps back. Once we got me on the course, we knew what it was. And we knew that what needed to be strength and where I was weak, that was easy to overcome. I've always had some form of lower limit niggle when I was racing elite. Um, and then I broke my foot through a stress fracture when I did British Cross Country Championships. Um, that's when you were in the moon boot. That's when the moon boot yeah. hobbling about. Um, yes, I struggled a little bit. I was like, I just want to do things and I can't. And... I think the biggest one, yeah, definitely the shin splints, but I kind of, yeah, I get up and realise that actually there's still other things I can do. So with the foot, I could still swim. So once it was, wasn't was as bad, I could still swim. I, okay, I couldn't cycle, I couldn't run, but I could still do other, I wasn't bed bound. Same with my shoulder once. The physio said, actually, you don't need a sling on, you're better off moving it. Just cause It's not broken. There's nothing, there's no broken bones because you've damaged your broken ligaments they're never going to grow back they're not going to heal they won't repair themselves therefore 
you're not going to do yourself any more damage unless you go out riding your bike and fall off again on the same shoulder and then then you'll make it worse the only problem i have now is that i now ride my bike cautiously <laughs> i uh, went to glentress a couple of years ago and i can ride the bike the black route up um, i've never done it down up to the mast i can ride the black black route up to the mast at um, a couple of years before I did my shoulder, I can do it right, right absolutely fine. Because mm-hmm. um, there's one really tricky bit. And since I've done my shoulder, there's that tricky bit I just get off. Because that's well, totally the mind over matter. But I'm just back in my head, I'm like, if I fall off and hurt the shoulder, it's not just me that has a consequence on now, it's now that it has a consequence on Lachlan. Because it's a shoulder, you need your arms. I can't pick up Lachlan with a, a bad arm. And I'm just very cautious now. Well, not too cautious. I still go, I still enjoy riding my bike and enjoy. I, I enjoy riding my cross bike and still go out in that but I'm just at the back of my mind it's just taking away like you just got to be careful because do you still have pain from that injury or is it mainly gone did it mainly go once you stopped trying to race on it when once I stopped trying to race on it like especially when I was swimming on it swimming as well um I'd find that in bed I couldn't lie on that side so I'm held together with titanium and bits of I call it string it's not really string so you can see the bits of metal out the bone through the skin. Yeah, it's pretty gross. But I, only if you point it out that you can see it. Stuff I struggle with is, is if I have a big rucksack on or a heavy rucksack on, I can't put a bag on my shoulder. But yeah, no, it's not a story anymore that I'm not racing. And I actually think I've got stronger upper body-wise. I'm picking up an 11 kilogram weight every day and I'm pushing a buggy around with 11 kilograms plus the weight of the buggy. And running with that. And running with the buggy. That's insane. So... Do you think if you hadn't injured your shoulder, you'd have been racing for a while longer? No, I was, I mentally I was done. I had other things I wanted to do in life and I was just ready for it. I was late 20s, I was just ready to, I had other things I wanted to do in life. I wanted to start a family, wanted to become a mom, wanted to just enjoy my life away from the competitive side of sport. I still wanted to be involved with the sport. I just didn't want the pressure of that competition all the time. So looking back, is there anything about your racing career that you would change or you would do differently? No. The one thing I always struggled with was family time. So I've got two brothers, a younger brother and a big brother. My brother's got children of his own. He's got three children of his own. So Charles is seven, Elizabeth is four. And at that time, Commonwealth Games, I just wanted to spend time with family and watch my nieces and uh, my nephews grow up and I just really struggled with should I go and do this two hours on the bike or should I spend a couple of hours hours with my my nephews because they live down south I still live down south so they've come up and I would just struggle with it I've got two hours on the bike to do but my brother and his kids are here and I want to see them and I want don't want to miss on that time time growing up so no I don't think I, I wouldn't go back and change anything I did what was right at the time if you could give one piece of advice to younger Natalie what would it be something I've always struggled with with when I was is self-confidence so I think I would tell my, my younger self would be you know don't be scared just go for it and um, be confident in you you are who you are going to be and... that's a good bit of advice I like that believe in yourself yes believe in yourself yeah. I always yeah I always have to write um affirmations for races and that that really helped but just something as simple as writing affirmations helps so much and I wish I'd kind of done that a bit earlier in some of the earlier races that I did to try and help me I might perform a bit better at that time so was that kind of a method that you came up with that you found did help 
you kind of later on no it's me uh, and chris well chris came up with it and said look why don't write we write down your affirmations and i did that and then ever since then it, well ever since i could always do the affirmations until i retired um i would write affirmations for every race and then i'd also do a a, a debrief about every race so i we came up with a uh, excel spreadsheet of questions that were generic for, that would cover any race and i would just debrief and in that way, I could my way of reflecting on each race. That's good. So you you kind of like you'd be able to then look. Did you ever look back on them? Like yeah, I've still got them. Races, yeah. I've still got them. Yeah. So so you retired and yeah. wanted to stay involved in sport. So you set up your coaching business. Had you always planned to kind of do coaching after triathlon? Was that something that you'd always wanted to do or did that just come kind of slightly later on? I think um, I achieved my level one and two quite early. So by 2012, I had both my level one and level two. And then obviously I had a big blank until the end of my level three in 2017. And I think, you know, 2017, that was that year you know, I fell off my bike and I realised that actually... I'm not, my heart's not in it anymore and then realized because I was on doing my level three at that time I was like, actually this is the avenue that I want to go down and that's what led you into coaching and that's what led me into coaching yeah okay so when you're coaching athletes what's the thing you focus on most I take the whole athlete into consideration I don't just take in what they've got what I want them to do mm-hmm. um, what they also want to do as well whether they want to go and do this other race or um so do you kind of build the program with the athlete? It's like a joint. Yes. Yeah. So I ask what the athlete's got on that week. And then I then base the program around what they're doing rather than me telling them what to do. And then there's also flexibility in that program. So they don't have to do what I said on that day. It can be done on another day because if that so say I put in a run session for the, the Tuesday and they've got work on all day and they're not gonna have time to do it that's fine they'll do it another day or they want to swap it out for another session and they'll do it so say they swap it out for a session on thursday we'll then do the thursday session on the tuesday and the tuesday session on thursday um, i guess that kind of takes the stress out of it for them because they know that you're okay with them kind of yes moving things about yes i'm yeah. Yeah, happy with as long as they're they're happy with themselves i'm within themselves i'm happy with them so you've mentioned Lachlan a couple times in an interview and a lot of people won't know who Lachlan is so for those who don't know Natalie has a baby now he's called Lachlan he's lovely so you had him in the pandemic and you know what's it been like managing to grow your family albeit in a global pandemic I would use a really bad word it's been beep having so Lachlan was born April 2020 it was crap I we had two weeks of antenatal classes and it was all about labor and the labor I had wasn't the labor I thought I was going to have and the whole going into hospital being alone Keith wasn't allowed to come into hospital until I was in induced labor induced labor um, and then within two hours he had to go again so he wasn't even allowed to stay with me because normally you go in the partner's allowed there to be there the whole time and they're not sent away so I just wanted to get home. So Lachlan was born on April, the 21st of April. And within that day, I was back home again because I just wanted to be at home. I just, I'd spent two days in hospital and I just wanted to get home. It was 
I want to be around the people I love and I just couldn't do that in hospital. And, uh, yeah, it was just not, because at that time, nobody really knew what was what happening. And um, I'm sure it's a lot different now in hospitals um, for those that have had babies in 2021. Um, I'm sure it's a lot different to what it was, what I've experienced, but just having that support around that support network just we just didn't get it we got we were with this baby with Lachlan as a baby the first night he was still feeling the effects of morphine so he was actually quite well behaved and then um nobody tells you about right you get witching hour yeah two days in nobody told us about the witching hour so we'd obviously missed this in antenatal classes I forgot what it's called there and we're like why is he crying like from like half past five till Basically, bedtime at ten o'clock, he just cried the whole time, and I was like, "What's going on? He's been fed. He's not got. He's not got a dirty nappy. He's not hungry. He's." I was like, "What to do?" And then I ended up phoning my mum, and and at midnight, going, "He's just not sleeping. He's just crying all the time." And um, she ended up coming to broken breaking breaking all the lockdown rules and coming to stay because we realised that actually mental health comes first. Um, you've got to look after. Mommy's got to look after her mental health to be able to look after her baby. And then after that, again, it's just a lack of confidence within me. Um, once I'm confident in something, I'm fine. But it's that first, you know, six weeks, I was just lacking all confidence in myself as a mum. And I guess it would have been, it, it might have been different having, you know, all the peer support groups that might have normally been on around. I'm quite lucky now that I'm part of a, a mum's chat and WhatsApp and we all just bounce things off each other. Hmm. Somebody such is not, not doing this and somebody such is not doing that. And yeah, so that's quite good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. And, and is having Lachlan, well, obviously you're doing your coaching. So have you managed to balance your coaching for Pentlands and your athletes around having Lachlan? Uh, yes. Um, we're quite lucky um, in the fact that Keith is off a Sunday and Monday. So that works out quite well with the juniors because they only train on a Sunday at the moment. So that works out well and it'll give us Keith time with Lachlan one-on-one time that you wouldn't normally get. Because Keith works at a bike shop so he's not home until basically Lachlan's in, bath, in the bath. So he doesn't really get to see much of Lachlan during the week and he's up before Lachlan's up. Um, so he doesn't actually get to see much of him during the week. So that weekend time with him is actually quite nice. And although I'm desperate to get back to see Lachlan at the same time, I'm like, I just need to leave them a bit longer and trust that they're okay. <laughs> they're not falling out with each other. Do you think Lachlan's going to grow up to be a sporty baby, a sporty child? If not sporty, he's going to be bike daft. He loves bikes. So he cycles to work and sometimes um, I go and pick him up. And well, the days that my parents or Keith's parents have got Lachlan, for childcare, he points at that key bike, and any bike he sees if out in the buggy, he points at every bike. I mean, we were in Halford today, and he was pointing at all the bikes, and I had to walk around all the bikes. So you know, Daddy works in a bike shop, so it's just chaos when we go in. So we've got a cyclist in the making, then. We've got a cyclist in the making. I mean, Auntie Linda says he's already got a cyclist, a cyclist thighs. <laughs> so you know, Chris Hoy, Chris Hoy, eat your heart out. Chris Hoy, watch out. Yep. Okay, so I've got three more questions for you. Top advice for someone thinking about getting into coaching? There's no wrong way to coach. Oh, do you want to elaborate on that a wee bit? So it's like personality styles. Everybody has their own personality style. 
Therefore, you're all going to have your own coaching style. Therefore, there's no wrong way to coach. Okay. Going on from that, do you think that coaching children and coaching adults is completely different? There's a di- yeah. Do you think there's a difference completely there? Completely different. Kids are so much easier to coach than adults. Sorry, sorry, adults, but they are. And why is that? Because kids listen. Oh, you think kids listen more than adults? Yes. Okay. They do as they're told. They don't argue back. They're, yes, it's completely different. Kids, yes, they're misbehaving. Some of them misbehave and are disruptive, but not. Adults are misbehaving and disruptive in different ways. Yeah. You tell them to do one thing and they just carry on doing what they want to do. So you can tell somebody until you're blue in the face that running with a dodgy arm and they'll just keep running with a dodgy arm because they think they know better. Therefore, there's no point trying to tell them they're running with a dodgy arm. So, Whereas kids are more likely to act on it. Yes. Yes. More likely to listen to what you're saying. Okay. My last question for you is about the age that we select our national performance teams mm-hmm. okay so you got into triathlon in high school which is currently when I was 16 I got involved when you were 16 okay so that's kind of around the age that current selection is certainly in Scotland for the national team do you think that is the right age that we should be narrowing down for performance or do you think it should be more of a uni-based decision yeah these kids are still developing my number one focus when I'm coaching the, especially kids is for them to have fun um, sport is about having fun they are kids they just want to have fun they do not want to be drilled up and down 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 the best time I had on squads was when we went and did things we weren't swimming we weren't biking we weren't running we were doing other activities okay we're still running but we weren't running around a track doing reps okay we still do that but we weren't doing that the whole time and at the end of the day, they're just kids. They're still developing. They're still growing up. They want, they want to look back, like I do, at their career and go. Actually, when I was younger, I had fun. I don't look back at sport and go, I wish I never got into triathlon because all I did was train twenty four seven and I hated it. It was just rubbish. And I think up till sixteen, seventeen, you should be going out and having fun. Okay, yes, and they still need to do sessions and stuff, but at the same time, they still need to be doing fun things. I mean, they're kids. And at 16, 17, they've also got exams to worry about. Oh, totally. They're going through a whole pile of stresses. Yeah. Unless you're the, and at the next Gwen Jorgensen, then sport's only going to get you so far. Um, you know, your career. Uh, that, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's because I've got a career. Because uh, I'm qualified in what I'm doing. Um, my brother, little brother's probably going to kill me for saying this, but he regretted going to Stirling University because the course wasn't what, what he wanted to do. Um, he ended up going to St Andrews to do his master's in mathematics and he's doing, he did a course that he loved and was challenged whereas Sterling wasn't he wasn't challenged academically and regretted not having gone to Edinburgh or St Andrews to do his course and he, he based his choice purely on the uh, triathlon whereas he should have based it more he wishes he based it more on an academic academics. decision yeah. With, especially with the younger ones we're coaching education 100% comes first so on the academy and stuff with one of the athletes I'm coaching is doing their exams right now so their focus is on exams not on training so I'm not bothered 
if they miss a session this week or next week because their focus is on getting their exam results, not on getting sport results. Because yeah. at the end of the day, their exam leads to further exam further education, and their further education leads to career. I just wanted to finish this episode off by saying a huge thank you to Natalie for being on the podcast. Obviously, Natalie has moved on to coaching and focusing on her family. So if anybody needs a coach, you can find out more about Stuart Triathlon Coaching at stuarttriathlon.com. I also just wanted to quickly talk about our new intro music that we have on this episode. If you don't recognise the music, it's The Exorcists by Scary Vore. They are a band from the small island of Tyree on the west coast of Scotland. So it means an awful lot to me that they've let us use the music for the podcast. If you haven't heard of them before, please do go and check them out. I might be slightly biased, but I do think they have some fabulous music for training. Lastly, from me is a massive thank you to all of you who are listening. It's hugely appreciated. If you are enjoying the podcast, then please do leave us a review and share it with your friends. And if anybody wants to submit questions, give us some feedback or stay up to date on future guests, you can give us a follow on Instagram. We are at Sporting Roots. Up next on the podcast, we are going to be joined by Katrina Morrison, who is one of Scotland's most successful triathletes and also holder of the fastest ever Iron Distance debut time. So stay tuned for next week's episode to hear all about Katrina's sporting roots. <laughs>